On the seventh episode of Tattletale, we speak with Nishat Akhtar. We speak about the important role animals play in Nishat's life, including a book about rabbit refugees. We call a half-defunct hotline that was intended to summon the music of Philadelphia's greatest rock and roll duo on demand. We talk about growing up with immigrant parents, as well as commiserating in the Asian disappointment and shame on when her mom discovered her first tattoo. We laughed, we cried, and I even gained a couple new perspectives on feminism. That taught me about it. Welcome, Nishat Akhtar. Welcome to Tattletale. Thank you, man. So excited to be here. Please tell our audience a little about Nishat. Who is Nishat? Oh, no. How do I answer that? <laughs> um, Any way you want. Okay, cool. Um, I am a creative director uh, at an agency called Instrument here in Portland. I am a design educator at Portland State University. I'm a freelance illustrator, artist. Uh, I don't know. I play soccer and love basketball and sports fan, shit talker, art maker. What sports team? Anything Philadelphia, obviously. Um, basketball Sixers, football the Eagles, Flyers, you know, Phillies, we could go there. I do support the Blazers also mm-hmm. um, because I have lived here long enough. You got to support. How long have you lived in Portland for? Oh my God. I've lived in Portland for almost 10 years. No. Yeah. No way. It'll I be, feel like I've known you almost all 10. That's exactly true. Yeah. I moved here in October of 2010. Oh, that's mind numbing uh, it is it is mind numbing <laughs> i can't believe i can't believe it's been that long that's wild yeah the, when it crosses that the as an adult i had i lived in new york for 10 years yeah and i uh went back to philly for a couple years and then i ended up moving to portland and what's really crazy is to think wow like the threshold of living in portland will eclipse my time that was so formative living in new york right and that if you had told me that i was going to live here that long when i first moved here there's no way i would have believe that yeah that's crazy so you're in double digits now yeah almost well congrats hopefully we can give you get another 10 years out of you yeah we'll We'll see see. (laughs) (laughs) so tell me about your like your first memory of tattoo what what was that like i'm assuming it's maybe in philadelphia maybe or yeah first memory of just like seeing a tattoo you know it's i had this uncle sudhir uncle um and in my culture a lot of times people are called uncle or auntie but they're not like related to i'm sure you understand that yep um it's a brown thing (laughs) yeah brown thing for sure (laughs) um so i i had this uncle named sudhir uncle who was just so hilarious and so fun and him and my dad used to just like crack jokes all night and drink and it was really fun and I was probably, I mean, I knew him since I was born. And he, you know, was like classic post-70s Indian. This is like 1980s. And he's got the big mustache and he's got his shirt slightly open and, you know, a little gold chain. He's just got the whole style going on. And he had um, a ch- tattoo on his chest that was really simple and it was a name. And I, to this day, don't know the name, but he had stories about falling. He was a single man. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a bachelor and just bachelor for life, I guess. And he uh, had talked about how he had fallen in love with this person, how he had moved to Iran to be with her at some point. And he was like, if you ever want to learn a language, you should fall in love. I don't, that's like, a, I guess I'm going really deep on this, but I <laughs> no. remember so dear uncle, my uncle had this tattoo on his chest um, of this person's name. That's sick. Yeah. That was his only tattoo. Yeah, that was his only tattoo. And you just realize it, that's something that doesn't wipe off. That's just forever on his skin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't I, I don't think that I needed some sort of deep explanation about it. It was like very because there weren't it wasn't really anyone else with tattoos around. Um I, I just have that memory. Um I have another one, which is my mom's mother, my nani G, who I had very little relationship with. We just don't have a relationship with our our mom's side of the family. But I went to India when I was about five and met her. And she had an ohm tattooed on her hand. Um, and I remember that too. That's like something I, I remember very much so about her. And my mom had always been so anti-tattoos. Like even in Hinduism, there, uh, you know, you could have like the priest come by and he would ma- do a small tattoo on you as a devotion to your religion or a series of dots on your hand as a reminder of some kind. But my mom had always been so against it. Um, she has this like one little blue dot on her leg because I think they had tried to do that at some point, but she was so against it. She didn't want that. So um, those are kind of my early contexts of tattoos so tell me about your first tattoo experience then the first one i got yeah yeah god um okay i was probably 17 years old it was in philly i went 
with my friend Eric Ammerman, and he took me to a shop called Cadillac Tattoo in Philly. Mm-hmm. This was a pretty well-known shop for uh, for ages. There was an old-school tattooer there named Cosmo. Um, he's since passed on. Mm-hmm. But um, Cosmo did my tattoo, my first tattoo, which was um, or is two horses facing each other on my chest. Uh-huh. So I grew up loving horses. I've like worked with horses. It's just like my, uh, I don't know, like emotional center was horses for so long. And I wanted to get uh, an image of that put onto my chest where I've struggled with depression and anxiety my whole life. And that's the place when I start to feel it viscerally Mm -hmm. is in both my stomach and my heart where it starts to feel like your chest is completely caving in. And so I wanted to mark that space with something positive. So when I'm literally clutching my heart because it was hurting, I could have these two horses almost like they were walking side by side with me through whatever I was going Mm -hmm. through. Um, So that's the iconography and the symbolism. So yeah, my friend Eric, we used to call him Rat. He took me to the shop and he was maybe a year older, but already had, he was already working on his sleeves and stuff. And I had a lot of friends in the punk community who had just been either doing that for a long time or seeing it. Uh, it was just normal. Um, How big are the tattoos? They're probably, I don't know. They're, they're symmetrical and maybe, uh, what is this? Like three inches tall mm-hmm. each. Um, and it's just an outline. It's really simple. It's okay. funny to think about like, a lot of people talk about their first tattoos as this regret or something that's like really shitty. And I don't know if that's a part of contemporary tattooing because now people like look on the internet and think about it and pick a style and they're so, people are so deliberate um, aesthetically, but I was really a deliberate emotionally, right? About Mm -hmm. this thing. Um, You know, it's kind of blown out. He dug kind of hard on one and the other. They're not really symmetrical, Mm. but I never wanted to fix or change them. And we'll get into this later, but I, or maybe we won't, but maybe we will. Um, I I used to work in a tattoo shop for a long time in New York. And so loads of my friends who I've been friends, I've been tattooed mostly only by friends Mm -hmm. and all of them were like willing to like update it and fix it and whatever. And I was like, no, I'm not. I like love this. This is a piece of a time and I'm kind of, it is a part of me. I don't even think about it really now, you know? I know people that have had stuff removed and you know, I I think it's completely, the the beauty of tattooing is it's such an individual process. Like, you know, we can't make choices about, you know, the skin color we're born with or the the composition of our face. Like there's so many things we can't, but um, tattooing is, you know, a a deliberate choice of how you either want to, I guess, like change how you look it's so funny because I never really thought about it that way. I've always thought about it as like archiving an emotion yeah. or finding a way to carry something with you that is necessary. It's like these these this iconography and emotional talismans that you can keep with you for the rest of your life. Totally. And on the flip side of that, what's really funny is after being tattooed for 20 years or, you know, that's where I'm at probably now, 23 years since my first tattoo, I didn't even think about it. Like someone once recently asked me like, oh, what is that? And I was like, oh, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it for a long time. And I was like, oh, wow, you're asking me about a story of something that I haven't thought about in like 15 years. Yeah. And it just brings you back right then. Totally. Tell me about your most recent tattoo, actually. Let me think ab- about this. I think my most recent tattoo, is this correct? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. That's no, okay. Okay, well, I have this. This is a sort of recent tattoo. I'll talk about it. That's and, okay. And yeah, now, as I'm yeah. thinking about, okay, it is on my uh, on my elbow, on my forearm, um, and it is a salt shaker in black and white. Mm-hmm. It's got some stippling. Um, Justin Dion did it. He lives here in Portland. I know him through friends of friends. We became friends, and he's tattooed me a couple times here in Portland. Yeah, salt shaker. Uh, it opposes on the other side. Um, on the other elbow, I have a big black heart. And so it's about this very specific duality that I know that I exude or and experience, which is, you know, the sweet side and the salty side. Mm-hmm. I'm from Philly. I'm mad salty all the time about <laughs> everything. And even though I can be like very loving and sweet and kind, I still, I just, I'm salty. <laughs> Gotta sprinkle it on. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So does... Justin work at a shop? You know, I'm not really sure where Justin's working right now. He was working at Sovereign Tattoo for a while on Division. Mm-hmm. And it's been a minute. It's been a minute okay. since I've caught up with him. Yeah. But uh, 
he's a great person, just cracks jokes while, for me anyway, we're just like cracking jokes while I'm getting tattooed. And uh, yeah, he's a really fun, fun, wonderful person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me about your second tattoo. Did you feel like you wanted one immediately after you got your horses? Some people were like, oh, the pain. I love the pain. Mm. I need another tattoo. Mm. And some other people were like, oh, that hurt. That sucked. I'm good for a while. Yeah, I don't. I think that the pain is um, an interesting, really interesting that you bring that up. I think the pain is extremely cathartic. Uh, I I mentioned being depressed before, and I used to do a lot of self-harm. And I think that being able to experience pain in a controlled manner is, you know, feels really good because you know that you can feel something that almost feels like you're like hurt, you're hurting yourself or going to die and then you don't. Mm -hmm. And there's a real high off of that. I feel that when I play soccer. I don't know. It's just like playing soccer, playing basketball. I'm like, oh, it makes me feel like I'm dying. And then you live and it's amazing. And I don't think that that was the thing that attracted me so much to tattooing or uh, repelled me from it for like doing it for a while. I got that first tattoo when I was like 17 and I didn't, I don't think I got tattooed again for a couple years. And it wasn't for the lack of wanting to. It was just until the next time it was right. You know, I wasn't in a rush to just like fill something up. Every, every every tattoo I have pretty much has a lot of meaning. I'm ready for some like goofy joke tattoos now. I feel like I've got, I've, I mean, I'm tattooed on like till my elbows on both arms and from my waist to my knees on both legs. And they're all like very emotional uh, milestones or bookmarks to moments that have happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I, I just got to get like a Snoopy on here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So from the horses tattoo, yeah. what was the next one that you got? I think it was another horse tattoo. <laughs> I think I've, I have, if I was to count, I, maybe I have four horse tattoos, mm -hmm. probably like five, four bird tattoos. Got a lot of animals, like a whole menagerie going on. Those are those are probably the most common things I have. Anyway, I got a horse tattooed on my sh top of my shoulder, um, a horse head from my homeboy Eli Quinners, um, who he owns a shop called Smith Street Parlor in Brooklyn. We went to college together, and uh, I watched him learn how to tattoo and. He was my first slow dance in my life, which is really funny that that didn't happen until college. But <laughs> shout out Eli, man. That was that. Thank you for taking such good care of me in that <laughs> precious moment. But yeah, it's it's a horse head, and Eli's from Utah, and he you know loves horses. He loved drawing horses. He could relate to this idea of like animals being a close friend. I think his dad uh, was some sort of cowboy of uh, of some sort. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so he's really excited to do this horse tattoo, and. It was at a shop called Sacred Tattoo, which used to be on Canal Street. Canal Street. New York was a very different. This is like New York was a very different place back then. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's a horse, and it the horse is crying. There's like a tear going down its cheek, and there's a heart underneath the horse head that is. I wanted it to be broken, but Eli was like, "No, you can't have a broken heart. Like I, you know, I'm gonna make it stitched up." Um, so there's a stitched up heart and then there's like leaves and bells underneath it. Um, yeah, that was my second tattoo. And it was another ode to this, you know, this creature and this relationship that I'd had for so long that just felt like it was a time that was over. At this point, have your folks seen your tattoos? Oh, my God. The day my mom saw my tattoos for the first time, of course, <laughs> of course, man, I'm Indian. That the was disappointment. Like, yes, Asian in, disappointed yeah, parents. In the eyes, you could so, just feel it. <laughs> I was at my mom's house because I moved to, New I, I, I graduated school, not early, I was just young. Um, I was, uh, so I moved out when I was like 17, but I was home for whatever reason. And in the middle of the night, there was a really big storm. And the power went out and uh, we had an alarm system in the house and it was bleeping and beeping a bunch. And my mom came walking down the hallway with a flashlight and my mom's like five foot tall and like <laughs> shuffling her way down the hall. And she's like pointing at the wall at the security panel trying to understand it. And I had come out and this probably like I probably had that tattoo now for a couple years. Mm -hmm. And she looks at me and she like a cop kind of points the flashlight at my face and then points it down at my chest because I was wearing, I, I remember this so well. Thank you for reminding me of this. And she 
so she points it at my face and then she points it down at my chest. I was wearing a white V-neck t-shirt because I was like kind of, I don't know, I was the, it was like, you know, whatever, early 2000s. Yeah. And she points it down at my chest and she points it back up at my face and down at my chest and back at my face and she's like, you have a tattoo? <laughs> she looks so pissed but it was also like three in the morning and she was so tired yeah. and then she like shuffled off and went back to bed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, after that, we, I think the next, I had to deal that whole night. I had to be in panic of like what my mom was going to actually say to me the next day. But we talked and she was like, you know, there was nothing we could do about it. Obviously she told me, she reminded me that her mom had had this tattoo. And then she told me about the thing on her leg and that she didn't want that. And she was like, well, just don't get any more. (laughs) Which is not at all been the case. But I don't know. You know, she... Turns out, I mean, she's she still loves me. Of course, mm-hmm. that's also <laughs> continual shame, but yes, the but shame un- is unending. <laughs> but still, but uh, all that love yeah, still can't for stop. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At this point, there's two horse tattoos. Well, I guess technically three yeah. if you count both on the on the chest, right? Mm-hmm. So three horse tattoos, and that was the last one, right? The last horse tattoo? The, well, no. There, I have I have a horse re- another horse related okay. tattoo. Okay. Which is a horseshoe on the back of my calf, and it has a shovel and a pitchfork, like in an X formation. Uh, that tattoo was done by my first friend in New York, John Reardon. John Reardon is an owner of Greenpoint Tattoo. He is a very old friend of mine. He is actually how like Eli got into tattooing when Eli first started. It's just this like really rad cohort of friends in New York that kind of together and around each other at the same time. And John is someone I get tattooed with or by. I try to get tattooed with by him when, whenever I'm home, if possible, mm-hmm. um, just because I love hanging out with him, catching up with him. We've been friends for 23 years. You know, it's crazy. So... The horseshoe has that pitchfork and shovel crossed or pitchfork and a rake or something crossed with the horseshoe underneath because I did end up spending a lot of time um, working at this barn Um, and these people who work there and own it, it's not a fancy barn at all. Like a lot of the horses came that had been abused or off the track and we would retrain these horses so the kids could ride them Um, and that the horses could have like a happy life when they'd had not a great one before. But all the friends, all the people that I worked with there were like friends, you know, and I had known them since I was really young. Uh, so I got that tattoo to honor that friendship. And it says it's, it's got the horseshoe, it's got the symbol in the center. And then underneath it says thick as thieves. Um, Cause we all have like been through so much together and lots of trouble together. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So that's like, that completes the horse suite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think about it, man. I like really, yeah. And you said that you had five bird tattoos. Is that right? Yeah. So tell me about th- those. Well, I'm trying to think about this. Here's a bird. Here's a bird. One, two, three, four, five, five. Tell me about the birds. Um, well, they're all different. Each one of these is like a different sort of set, right? This one here, you can see there is a bird holding a clock in its mouth, and it's like kind of having a conversation with this owl. So there's this bluebird and this owl looking at each other. And it's so it's about this dynamic that I have, and I still have it. Mm-hmm. I probably got that tattoo when I was 20 years old. I'm 40 years old now, and I'm still like this, mm-hmm. which is I get up early but I stay up late. Oh. So I know. <laughs> burning the candle from both ends. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what that's about, where this oh. one bird is like, yo, you got shit to do. And the other one's like, I got shit to do too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I'm getting better about sleeping, but um, there's just so much stuff to do in life, yeah. you know? I know. It's hard to track you down. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I'm so glad we're here. So who did those tattoos? John Reardon. So this is one that those two birds together mm-hmm. is done by John. So these birds here are coming out of this bird's nest, which is on a tiger's back. So there's this beautiful tiger with a bird's nest and a couple eggs, and then there's three birds flying out. Now, my story behind this tattoo is about, it's a story about immigration and about my parents, and I wanted to have something that celebrated that. Um, It's not been, I don't think it's, you don't ever get over the difficulty of that, even if my parents have been here now for so long. I don't know. I'm 40, so they've been here longer than that. I was born here, mm-hmm. and so was my brother. So, you know, they've been here over 45 years, and that's more than half their lives, but you still can never replicate the feelings that you've had, you know, from your home country. And there's so much we could talk about in terms of immigration, but um, I wanted to, as a first generation person, you know, had 
as has an attraction to certain imagery and wanted to honor them. So I got this tiger. Uh, it has this bird's nest on it, and then there's these three birds flying out. You could argue that it's one bird kind of in multiple stages uh-huh. getting stronger and bigger, which I think is uh, the idea. Um, my homeboy Scott Campbell did this, uh, and I can't remember what shop it was because Scott moved down around a lot. He now owns a very famous tattoo shop called uh, Saved. He is crazy big, uh, great person, really really nice guy, very extremely talented artist. But yeah, Scott did this for me. Amazing. Yeah, back in the day. Um, and I mean, it kind of like looks like nothing you would see him make today because this is like colorful and it's a little more traditional, whereas now he works in these like really fine line sort of uh, neo-abstractions of skulls and diamonds and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, so the birds are specifically related to um, this tiger, but you have this you know, Indian tiger with these American eyes swallows. Mm-hmm. And that uh, relationship was also important to depict in this tattoo. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the tiger essentially represents India. Yeah. And then the swallows represents America mm-hmm. and leaving the nest to where we are now. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd lo- I mean, that's such a relatable story, at least for me. Sure. I don't know about everyone who listens to this, but definitely a story about immigration and being a first generation a lot of my friends who are first generation, I'm sure every single person has got some sort of tattoo commemorating that kind of journey, you mm-hmm. know, like such a powerful story, you know, and to have that etched in. How do your folks feel about that one? I think that my dad's never really asked me about my tattoos. I think he, it's not that he doesn't care, but I think there's bigger things for us to talk about when sure. we actually get together. Yeah. My mom has asked probably, she hasn't asked in a while because now there's just so many that she's not really like noticing a change. <laughs> um, or she's, I don't know, but it's hard to remember the time that we talked about it, but I think, you know, she would listen to the story. It's such a classic, like, I don't know, <laughs> Asian brown she's probably parent. Like cooking yeah, and exactly. Listening. And she's like, okay (laughs) and okay is like the nicest thing you can get because it's like instead it's like okay don't get any more tattoos and as in like it is a form of respect (laughs) because they're not berating you or shaming you in that moment so it's like great thank you for not dragging me through the coals thank you mom i i'll take the okays and i love you (laughs) yes yeah if there's a there's been I've kind of stopped getting tattoos on my arms because I wanted to stop uh, just like just past my elbows. Mm -hmm. And and so I've just been getting my legs tattooed a lot in the past few years. Is there a reason to not to keep your arms? When I first started getting tattooed and like working in like 2001, I mean, I was already I already had some tattoos. But the thing back then was to like get a three quarter sleeve, you Mm -hmm. know, and because People didn't have tattoos like that in the workplace, Mm -hmm. you know? It wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. So there was a lot of intent. And I was working in like a fashion ad agency where, yeah, occasionally like there would be somebody with tattoos, but it was so exotified. It wasn't like people in the workplace had that. So I always wanted to be able to have like some sort of way to, I don't know, wear a shirt where I could roll up the sleeves and not really be exposing this part of me. Mm That was the original intention. Now, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's a different world we live in now. Exactly. The whole like Instagram as an avenue for tattooing or like finding an image that you want and then asking a tattooer to like there's it's there's an art form to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that clients, tattoo clients have become a little like too empowered in in some places. Like it's not that you as an, we as an individual shouldn't have, you know, autonomous choice, but it's a conversation. This is like a client artist relationship. And a lot of times tattooers now are being treated like production, Yeah, you know, like do this thing. And when really you, you had to like, you know, have the guts to go into a shop and talk to the person and be able to like, you know, find the right, find the right vibe, find the right conversation. I think there are certain things that are great. Like people can, women can find women tattooers. POC can find like people of color tattooers. Like all these things that people maybe want in initial relationship, they can. Okay, so tiger tattoo, swallows. You said there's two more, right? Birds. These are the two. We did it. Okay, okay. Um, those are technically the three. Yeah. Got it. Okay, yeah, right. three, okay. but there's like three marks. And Scott Campbell said this was the cutest bird he ever did in his life. He was like bugging out about it for so long. He <laughs> are was... the stars part of it too or separate? No, that's separate. Okay. 
Yeah, that's separate. That I did this trip in New Zealand with um, some friends who live there. I met up with some people who live there, and we went camping in this gorgeous place on the beach. There's like cows in a field behind us. And, you know, the stars were so intense and gorgeous. And anyway, you're in the Southern Hemisphere and you can see the Southern Cross, uh, which looks like a kite. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this is. This was from that camping trip that we had done. So I got that constellation. Did you get it done in New Zealand or? Yes. Oh, man, I cannot. I'm trying to remember this person's name. I want to say his name's Grayson. This is a long time ago. But I don't remember. That's okay. Super rad dude. And also the community, even before the internet, like even in the early 2000s, people all knew each other. Mm -hmm. I knew to go to this tattooer in New Zealand. Like all my friends who were going to Japan all sort of like knew each other and were connecting with people then. Like underground communities were so tight in a very authentic way. Word of mouth. 100%. You know what I mean? Yes. And you had to rely on your person, your friend was saying, was recommending by word of mouth, then you knew it was legit, right? Yes, yes It's not yes. just a simple DM. It was, this was like the word yeah. coming from someone's mouth, so. Yes, and you had to like go and find the place and talk to the person and, you know, like actually like face-to-face talk to the person and connect and understand like, wow, I'm on the other side of the planet. We know each other and we know each other because, you know, your brother played in a band with, you know, that stayed in a friend of mine's house when they were on tour and they got to, you know, the, the, the interconnectedness of that community, especially at that time, was extremely special. I'm yeah. still friends with all those people. I, I mean, I wish that kind of experience still existed till mm-hmm. this day, but I mean, I think about how the experience with Instagram DMing someone kind of just makes people lazy mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that mm-hmm. cuts that process out meaning like especially when you're growing up with it not into it mm-hmm. like you and i we grew up into it mm-hmm. but not with it and these kids they can just all they have to do is just dm and they don't know that experience like why would i why would i want to go through the extra step mm-hmm. of get you know hearing about this person going to this like going to japan and f- trying to figure out where this person lives without the help of the internet you know like that I think, unfortunately, that time has passed. Oh, that time is gone. You know, and yeah. like, there's no way to even replicate that, even with this. Maybe there is, but the ushering of the digital era has mm-hmm. made us humans more lazy and more forgetful and yes. just losing our sense of direction. Man, I could talk to you about this for so <laughs> long because I'm, I'm working on something about this and we can talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. But the intentionality around the communities that you engage in is really important. And I think that to have, hopefully people are going to shops and getting tattooed by somebody, maybe they found them on the internet and then hopefully they have a deeper connection with that person and then they go back and then they go back and then that becomes, you know, this medium for them, both for art, but also conversation jokes, you know, if you're getting a tattoo because you're sad. I mean, tattooers are so much more than just, you know, producers of, iconography that goes on your body you know they are uh they can be like a therapist to you because they're just you have to spend this time with them Mm -hmm. i've gotten to a place now where i like will fall asleep when i get tattooed sometimes but uh it's just like you know it hurts and then it's like annoying and then you're pass out but if i'm catching up with like john reardon you know i want to be up and talking to him Mm -hmm. as much as i can but i've definitely fallen asleep on his table a couple (laughs) times yeah i I, that time of seeking something out in that space specific way is gone but I do think that we can still be really intentional about how we connect with people and that takes a little extra effort and it takes conversations like this to be like who do you know who do you like what inspires you it's all about like asking the right question and then engaging with somebody about that yeah whether it's tattoos or music or art or whatever I think we can all sink a little deeper with the people we already know rather than relying on the like algorithm to feed us yes totally so you have the kite stars, but I also see on your other arm, you have a kite tattoo. Yeah. I think it, it feels like you might as, if you're from Philly, it just like ha- appears on your body someday. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a kite and a key crossed with a lightning bolt uh, and some rain. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just like a quick, simple and easy way to honor Philadelphia. I wore this one for you though. This one's a... Oh, hell yes. A Philly favorite, hell yes. right? Yes, yes. They <laughs> They're are. coming to town. They I are. I think in June. Um, believe it or not, I've seen them, I think, three times already. 
Wow. Once at a winery. I saw him at a winery in Washington. <laughs> on purpose? <laughs> on purpose, okay. yeah. On purpose, yeah. <laughs> totally. This is when I first started dating Suzanne. You know, we like, I just told her I just love Hollow Notes. You know, Hollow Notes is so much to learn about you. Low key, the hip hop heads, they don't know that they love them, I feel like. Sure. So, a good example is um, Wu Tang Clan's thir- Into the 36 Chambers. Uh-huh. There's a song called Method Man. Yes. By Method Man. Familiar. And they sample uh, Method of Love by Hollow Notes. So, interesting. Um, the the hook he goes, he spells it yes. method, M E T H O D. Yes. And they spell it out and it they credit. Oh, wow. On, in the liner. That's she, incredible. So, Thank you for teaching me that. I didn't know. I mean, and I love Wu Tang and I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. So, that's something I should Exactly. I, boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. Right? <laughs> like, just check, check, check. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Hollow Notes is the shit for sure. I've seen them, but not on purpose. I feel like there's there's a lot of Philly big bands like that that you'll that will play free shows for the four, or Fourth of July or something okay. yeah, outside yeah, yeah, yeah. the waterfront. You'll see like Hollow Notes or um, Bruce Springsteen or oh, Boys to Men. Like, I mean, there's a kind of a big range in that list, but um, or even the just like open air concerts, you can get close enough in here. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just want to encourage everyone, if you have an chance, free or not, to go see, see Hall and Oates. You Are know? you familiar with Call and Oates? No, Call, call and Oates. Let me, just yeah. make, let me just see if I have this. Put me on. Because I think that this is something you would be... Okay, in my phone, I have <laughs> this thing that <laughs> yeah. says Call and Oates, right? Okay. I'm just going to risk it. I don't really know it, what happens when <laughs> you call it because it's been a long time. <laughs> It's in your phone, in your phone book. So I'm going to call it. Okay. I'll put on speaker so you can hear, and then something might happen, but something, I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully, something good. Welcome to Call and Oats, your emergency hall and oats helpline. (laughs) To hear one-on-one, please press one. To hear rich girl, please press two. To hear man-eater, please press three. Oh, my God. To hear privatize, please press four. (laughs) How do you play all of them? I, I think you got to go. <laughs> well, let's do number four. Let's do private eyes. Sorry, I didn't get your response. <laughs> We're sorry. An application error has occurred. No. Oh, no, it's down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm really happy that it at least. The line's still alive. Yes. I mean, granted, like, you can't hear the songs, but I guess they're like, oh, Spotify is on now, so we got to shut this shit down now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long that's been in my. Um... <laughs> phone but there's literally been no reason to talk about that until, <laughs> until now. Hanging out with right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge huge fan of hollow notes um i have also a keystone pennsylvania is the keystone state um with a little lock in it on mm-hmm. the other arm underneath the horse I for, it's really easy to forget all this oh, stuff that's especially on if you don't see it on the regular right no you don't see it on the regular like I appreciate that I don't have to have conversation like this is great we're intentional but like if you know there's people who just and as a woman like there there are guys that'll just like grab your arm and touch you and be like what is that like it's so whack you know um, or even people just I've had women do it. I've had a woman do that to me in a coffee shop before and you know I she was like, that's beautiful. And she was like touching my arm. And I was like, you know what? Like I took a moment with her because I was like, you know, thank you. It, you shouldn't touch another person that you don't know without their consent. And I was like, I actually, I told her, I was like, I appreciate the compliment because again, I'm brown and Asian and haven't been complimented by my parents my whole life. So any compliment (laughs) I can get is like, wow, really? (laughs) (laughs) It's like (laughs) many layers up from the, okay. Um, but I took a moment with her to be like, that's that's not, and she was a woman too. And I felt like I was a little safer in that environment to be like, hey, like you can look at something and we can talk about this, but like, I, I really don't want to be touched. I don't, I don't know you. And that's not, you know, would you want some random person to touch you? Mm-hmm. What, which, uh, which tattoo was she talking about? I don't remember something, something on one of my arms for sure. Cause she grabbed my arm. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing maybe these two, maybe these two birds, it could have been the rabbit. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Tell me about the rabbit. Oh, yeah. There's two rabbits. Have you ever read the book Watership Down? Watership Down? I don't think I have. Okay, it's a great book. Um, It is about these rabbits that have to leave their home um, because it's being demolished. And they have this whole world where they are sort of like refugees from from where they lived and trying to find a place to live, struggling to figure that out. There's, 
you know, in, encountering new lands that they don't understand, trying to tell each other stories to keep each other entertained. It is such a fucking beautiful film. See the original animated. I think they recently made a new one. Don't fuck with that. Go to the original. There's like an unbelievable, um, they have like a whole spiritual uh, belief system that's written into this story where storytelling is really important to them. So this is Hazel, who is one of the main characters in that book. This is also done by John Reardon. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of John on this arm, although the kite and the key is done by um, Eli. So Hazel is one of the main characters and he's like the big brother. There's these two siblings, Fiverr and Hazel, are main characters. There are many other ones, um, but there's a really specific dynamic between those two. And so, number one, it's my brother's favorite book. My brother's older than me, and I look up to him so much, and it's his favorite book. And I also loved it as a kid um, and still love that original movie. <laughs> there's, a, there's like death and crazy stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who saw it as a kid were kind of traumatized or became vegan. So that's Hazel. And then this other rabbit that's kind of flying above him is the Black Rabbit of Inlay. And that is their, like, Grim Reaper. Oh. And he looks really, like, gentle in this one. There's two different forms in which the Black Rabbit of Inlay takes visually in the story, which is intimidating and also welcoming. And so this is a more welcoming uh, welcoming image of that. And so, yeah, it's, there he's, like, guiding Hazel along. Wow. I'm going to definitely look that up, though. Definitely. At least at least watch the first, like, the origin story, which is the first, like, three minutes of the film, which talks about how the in this book and in this story how the world was created. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this god that they talk about, uh, I think, called El Araiha, who, like, in the beginning, there was El Araiha, and they show the sun, and it's this very, like, beautiful primal kind of, like, folk folky primal kind of drawing. And they talk about how there was... Uh, all animals who grazed exclusively grazed and they were all happy and there was just land everywhere but ultimately what happened was and then this god gave each animal a different gift no rewind prior to the gift they were all grazing and then one of these creatures started reproducing too much which was the rabbit and then this their god said you know if you have to we have to do something to control the rabbit eating all the grass because now what about all the other creatures so he creates some animals with big fangs and he creates some animals that are predators and some that are um, prey. Mm-hmm. And this whole dynamic unfolds where you start to understand how the, the animal kingdom had been established, you know, by the guy, uh, Richard Adams, who wrote this book. Um, and every animal was given a gift. Some were given teeth. Some, you know, were given claws. The rabbit was given, um, didn't want to come out and see his maker because he knew it was his fault that this was happening. So he was hiding in a hole with his butt sticking out. Yeah. And so the creator was like, okay, well, if you don't come out, I'll have to bless your bottom. So that's why rabbits have the big fluffy tail and the big feet that they can run very quickly from. Mm-hmm. And there's this beautiful quote from the book, which is, if I can remember it, it's like, all the world will be your enemy. Um, prince with a thousand enemies, digger, runner, something about them being cunning. And it says like, be swift and, you know, be swift and run fast. And they, if they catch you, they will kill you. But first they have to catch you. Mm-hmm. And then there's this virtue of uh, if you keep running, then no one will catch you. If they catch you, they will kill you. Mm. But first they have to catch you. Let's finish out that arm then. Right. I think you have more. Oh, yeah, this thing. The- wow. Man, I did not really realize this is what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so this is on the inside of both my arms. I have these tattoos that honor my cultural heritage. So this is a hand that has mehendi, which is like henna, which is like bri- a bridal ceremonial adornment that happens for not just Indian brides, like Hindu, uh, Muslim, like there's many other cultures that celebrate this around the world um, where you get a very intricate uh, henna design put on your hand and it turns really, really bright red and it's like a temporary tattoo, Mm -hmm. right? So this is kind of ironic, but it's a a tattoo of a hand Mm -hmm. with this image of a peacock inside of it. Mm -hmm. And man, I haven't thought about this in a long time. Josh, I don't remember his last name. Josh used to work at this shop in the East Village, which was across from Mamoon's Falafel. And Scott Campbell used to work there for a little while, too. And I think that's actually where Scott did my tiger. Josh Lord did this. Yes. 
Hey, Josh, it's been so long since I've <laughs> talked to you or thought about you. Um, what a kind person. So he did that tattoo for me. I thought I was going to marry somebody, and I didn't. And um, that person was a white guy, and hey, that's fine. Um, but I wanted to not only honor the feeling of not only the feeling of something lost, like a lost opportunity to be this like bride with this thing on my hand. Um, I guess maybe that was it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was mourning the fact that this thing that I thought that I was going to have for the rest of my life, I didn't uh, get to. And not only did I not to get to have that, I didn't get to have the ceremony. And it's not to say that that still can't happen in my life. But at that time, I, you know, was pretty young and I wasn't really thinking about how that may still come. It still hasn't come. Um, and so I got this permanent image of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it also hooks back to exactly. your culture as well. Yes. Too. Yes. So, um, you said you have one on the other arm. Yeah, as well so, too? On the in, so on the inside, on the inside of both of my arms, okay, these are, are like specifically referencing the, the bridge yeah. between my, the, you know, my ancestral culture and how I exist with it today. The, the tiger and the hand. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. And then on your right arm, on the back. Yeah. Is... There's a candle that's been blown out. Okay. Um, and sometimes people think that, is that like for a wish? That was done by Alex McWatt. Oh my God. Love him still so much to this day. One of like my really close friends, owner of Three Kings Tattoo, which once upon a time was just like one shop in New York. And now it's like three shops in New York, a shop in LA, a shop in London. They are just like crushing it. Um, my friend, uh, Margo Fleming is good friends with Alex as well too. Oh, she was on the show. Amazing. I think most of her tattoos are done by Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she, she, yeah, she loves Alex a lot. I love Alex so yeah. much. So I've so heard much. many good, many good things. Yeah. I have a lot of tattoos by him too. Um, wow. Time flies. I mean, we've just been, he and I've just been homies for so long. I talked to him just a few weeks ago, but Alex did this candle. Um, and it's not about a wish. It's not about like intentionally blowing a wish out, but it's about having like a wish taken away from you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Um, and then I see an insect oh, of man. some sort. This is really fun. A firefly, right? Matt, this is very fun. Okay. You're a I trusted can't... person. Okay. And you're a great person to talk to. And this is a really uh, bananas trip through my life, which I was like not really thinking that we'd be doing, but it is really fun. <laughs> Um, okay, so I lived in New York for 10 years, like I was saying, mm -hmm. as an adult, and Danielle De Stefano, she owns a shop called Maybe Only You Tattoo in Atlanta um, with my homie Matt Greenhalgh. So Danielle did this. It was at a shop in New York. I cannot remember. It was on Ludlow next to Max Fish back in the day. Who knows what yeah. that neighborhood is like now? I have no idea. It's like back in the day, it was like skaters and punks and like, yeah, Jeff Staple you'd see around. There's just like a weird something was bubbling up in the city, but it was hard to know what. And now it's like, I don't even know. I guess people don't go to Manhattan anymore, I guess. But anyway, she... um. She was tattooing my my homie Kettner, who's like one of my best friends. He was getting a chest piece done. He was getting this heart, a blue heart with a little red heart on it, um, which was from some comic book that he loved. And I was there, and she's like, we should tattoo you too. And I was like, yeah, cool. It was called Daredevil Tattoo. Okay, yeah. This is so fun. Um, so I was like, oh, I want to get a little lightning bug. In Portland, there's no such thing as lightning bugs. Never seen one. And like ever? No. In your life? Ever. It was really sad. I know. <laughs> Just They're in Philly. Okay. You know, Philly, New York. I mean, I when I moved to Portland, I was like, I should have gotten the tattoo then, but I'd gotten it so many years ago because it was like one of my favorite things about summer mm -hmm. is seeing fireflies. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm not ever really home in the summer. And I lied. I lied. I remember walking through New York and we were walking just past, it almost looks like a cemetery. I don't know. But it was definitely summertime. And I'm like, what are these? Oh my God, those are fireflies. That's yes. sick. But I was in the middle of, I was just in Manhattan somewhere. Yeah. I just walking around. I was like, oh, that's yeah. the first time I've ever seen them. Yeah, you but, could probably see them in like Park in like Park Slope or, you know, Fort Greene. I, I, it's been so long now. I remember when I moved to Portland, I was like, the saddest thing about Portland is there's rain without thunder and a summer without fireflies. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's I like mean, the soul of those things, like the soul of rain is thunder and the soul of summer is fireflies. Like it's like the magic of these two things. And there's like not that here, which is very depressing. 
In Philly, we also call them lightning bugs. And it, yeah, so I just got that little guy because I had this weird space. Yeah. Was it, was it gap filler? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you know. So cool. Okay. So now we, I think we've covered the upper body, right? I do have on my side from my armpit down to like the, my ass cheek. Yeah. Also done by Alex, I'm who I'm so sorry. We've never finished this, this tattoo. Um, it is a cobra and a mongoose kind of looking at each other contentiously. And that's also like a cultural reference. You know, like there are cobras in India. I've seen one. It was causing a traffic jam basically in India. Like we were driving up north. Me and uncle and some cousins were driving up north to these like uh, mountainside hill stations, they call it, like a getaway. And traffic is horrendous in India no matter what, even if you're in the country sometimes because it's like one lane and, you know, there's camels and people carrying stuff on their heads and then there's also cars and bikes and people walking and if something happens, then you're just sitting for a couple hours on the road. But we've been sitting for a while and we got out because we were curious and walked up and these men were, were removing a cobra off of the street with some sticks. But I got a really good look at it and it was awesome. Oh, yeah. scary. Yeah, but I love the... Hey, I don't even know if this is true, but I love the idea that the that this like furry kind of weasel looking character, the mongoose, which is called Nevla in Hindi, like that thing can fuck with a cobra. Yeah. You know, you think like nothing can fuck with a cobra, but actually like a mongoose can. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like both of those characters sometimes, but I like actually at that time was really identifying with the mongoose Mm -hmm. where it's like, come at me, yeah, (laughs) come at me, you know, like as snaky as anybody wants to be in this world to me, like I fucking can handle this. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. So that's like a big piece then. Yeah. It's pretty big. Yeah. It's pretty big, but I never finished. It's just an outline. I, that it wasn't that the ribs hurt so much, but like down once you're like on the ass and the hip, that was so bad. It reminds you of, Pain. Yeah, it reminds you of like what you're actually doing to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like generally, I have a really high tolerance for pain, and I'm usually cool. And Alex McWatt, who did that, um, has a really light hand, mm-hmm. um, and he can go super quick. I think that's why these days I'm like get tattooed by Alex and get tattooed by John because they can both like fly through so quick, and you yeah. don't really feel much. Um, and you know, they're just old old friends, and that feels really. It's like a wonderful way. Like I was talking about earlier, deepening your connection with your community. Mm-hmm. That's another way to continue that. Legs. You said you have a lot of tattoos on your legs. Yeah, I guess I do. Uh, more animals. There's so many animals. Um, what was the first thing you got tattooed on your leg? I'm trying to remember. I think it was a tattoo that Alex McWatt did of a wolf with a huge strand of firecrackers in its mouth. Like it's sh- it's like shaking it like it's going to throw it. Mm-hmm. I love fireworks. And I also... I think that that tattoo to me is a lot about the spiritual, some spiritual tenacity that is required to just get through difficult stuff. And so that's what that tattoo is. And it literally goes from like my hip to my knee. It's really, it's really Oh, large. it's big. Yeah. It's really that's a large. big tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So cool. I think I'll have to, I'll look at it tonight. Like, <laughs> my, my memory is pretty big. If you had one spiritual animal, what is that animal? Yeah, I, I mean, I, horses got to be it. You know, I think that I the the wolf in that time was very um, important to me. You know, like think about it. I've got the horse. I've got the mongoose. You know, I think the birds more represent like storytelling than necessarily a character or you know a main character. The, these birds are kind of like carrying a narrative, but not um, the main focus. But I think it's interesting to think about that in terms of like this horse as like a spiritual center and the mongoose and this wolf as these like protectors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I suppose it, it at the at the deepest core is probably a horse. And then before you can get through that gate, you've got to like encounter the, you know, snake and mongoose attitude and also like a totally. wolf wielding a bunch of firecrackers it's almost like those animals the horse and the wolf and the mongoose describe who you are mm-hmm. and then the birds are more so about well actually the birds on your left arm describe yeah. who you are yes, right but the maybe the birds on your right arm is more about kind of your heritage mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily make you who you are mm-hmm. but it's an aspect of you right yeah. that's pretty dope Thanks, man. This is an incredible therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so right 
thigh has the wolf with the firecrackers. And then any more animals? We will get to the... Wait, are there? Is that the last animal? No, there is. Okay. There is. Right underneath that kneecap on the same leg, Mm -hmm. there is a bee. Okay. John Rudin did that one. Um, I think I've been most tattooed by John and then by Alex Mm -hmm. and then other people. There's a bee tattooed right under my kneecap. Man, these are just stories I've not told anybody. I think the bee is like a really, for whatever reason in that time. Are you familiar uh, with Doomtree? No, what's Doomtree? Doomtree is a like hip hop collective in Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, there's like a couple rappers, there's some poets, like they've got, you know, it's like like Wu-Tang, but Minneapolis and not Wu-Tang, okay. but very dope, very dope music. Is Adam Garcia part of Doomtree? He's done a lot of work for those guys. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Doomtree has this thing that they used to say a lot, which was no kings, right? And they would say it as if they were saying like, nobody's your, nobody's ruling us, we're ruling ourselves but I fucking hated it because I would hear people say no kings all the time. And I'm like, that's right. It's only Queens that are going to rule you, you know, because it's so gendered and I was really bothered by that. And it's like, Oh no Kings. Like, no, it's like, yes. But what does that actually mean? Like you're saying no rulers because you're not saying no rulers when you're saying no Kings, you're saying no, no male royalty. And therefore you're, you're actually saying Queens only, but that wasn't the mentality. And this is, this is like not to just doom tree at all. It's like just this, uh, sentiment that I used to hear all the time, and I was like, "No kings, yeah. But what about queens? The queen has to be represented." And it was a reminder to myself to step with my own, you know, like feminine power and royalty every fucking step I take. So I I love that tattoo so much, and it, it's it's it is one that I notice and remember when I need to, you know. And I love Doomtree. I think they're super dope. And their poetry and like metaphor is really great. But somehow that one thing just like caught Rub you the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. you have so many tattoos that now when I see them, I'm going to be reminded of your tenacity, your ferociousness, you know, you. the mongoose and the wolf. <laughs> yeah. So rad. But then you're like you're saying so sweet with the horses. It's just the dualities, you know, that all of us have, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but here you've. I'm trying to think of the word. What's the opposite of personify? It's like animal-fi, right? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, through art yeah. uh, that you've turned these... Anthropomorphized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on your body. So that's so that's such a cool thing. Yeah, it's, and on the other leg, mm-hmm. you should have a dress code for this, man. This is like... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, shorts and t-shirt. I got, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The first word tattoo I got was above my left knee. John did that for me. And um, he has really tattooed me a lot. <laughs> Shout out John, I love him. <laughs> um, it was the first word tattoo I ever got. And it says, never say die. Mm-hmm. Which is really funny living in Portland, Oregon now. It's like Goonies, you know? Yeah. I had a really bad knee injury, um, which was a little bit of a medical mystery. And there was, there was a time where I couldn't walk two blocks down the street in New York. And it was like, sh- fucked up. Because like you're living in New York, that is a mobility town. Yeah. And I used to ride my bike when I lived in Philly. It was a 16 mile commute to work, and I did that every day on my bike. I would ride my bike like another 20 miles after that because it was just fun. I used to play soccer. I played basketball. I was like doing all this stuff, and I couldn't do anything anymore. And it was such a depressing time because you start losing your friends, like your activity partners. Like that was just what I did, and I never like gone to a gym or anything but I did a lot of rehab did a lot of getting massages did a lot of like experimental stuff and I got that tattoo on above my knee to make sure you just like don't give up you know as a reminder yeah because I started getting better Mm -hmm. um it took a long time I hadn't ridden a bike in like two years I mean and then I remember the first time I did and yeah so I got this like beautiful sort of traditional script above my knee that says never say die Sweet. Wow, you went so long before getting any words added. Yeah, yeah. I think that I only have one other... Nope, that's wrong because I I told you I have the thickest thieves. Never say... Which is like dedication to friends. Never say die, which is like a reminder to self. And then I have one and only friend tattoo, 
which you would think at this point, like I worked in a tattoo shop with all these guys. I've like know all these people were hanging out, just bored. People are tattooing each other. Like people are getting friend tattoos and I never got one mm-hmm. until a friend of mine from New York who I've been friends with forever came to visit Portland and we went to go see Justin Dion and I got, I got a tattoo that a friend of mine had. He was my friend Ian who is just like, I mean, he's like my fucking center of my heart. I love this person so much. And it is an umbrella and it's raining. And it says, I remember when I first saw that tattoo of his and I laughed so hard. (laughs) Anyway, it says, when it rains, it rains. And I was like, that is the funniest, truest shit in the world. It's like, (laughs) I get it. Like, yeah, okay, when it rains, it rains. No, 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 but when it rains, it rains. It's like, it is what it is. And we have to accept the moment and understand that this is what's happening, period. You know, like, I think now maybe I'm at a place where I'm like, yeah, like you can let go. You can, you can be, you know, you can be the sky, not the weather. These things are just passing by. Um, but that's the one friend tattoo I have. Oh, I might bite that. I love it so much. It's so funny. It's I'll so good. Picture of it. I it's love it. so good. When it rains, it rains. It's like just the ultimate, most hilarious, sweet. <laughs> I love Ian. Wait, okay. So re- rewind, actually talk to me about your time working in a tattoo shop. Sure. Um, I worked at a shop called Sacred on Canal Street in New York in like 2000 to maybe 2002. Bowery Tattoo, like in 2003. And I was just like shop girl, you know, like taking appointments, answering the phone. A lot of those places sold like cool, you know, magazines, Bushido books, like amazing art, like everything from like a Dover clip art book to like gorgeous Japanese watercolor, you know, um, like Hiroshige books. So selling those and also spending a lot of time reading them and spending lots of time drawing and spending lots of time talking to people. And yeah, that that was like working with Eli, uh, working with Scott, working with these two these two women that worked in the shop for a long time, my friend Jesse, my friend Michelle. Yeah. Did you have any aspirations to be a tattoo artist? I think yes, but never really talked about it because I was also being a graphic designer and, you know, having this thoughts, from, like this parental thought of like, get a job with health insurance. There's no such thing as having a dream. I'm lucky enough to go to art school, you know, but then it's like find the profession in which it's like make money, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think yes, but also it was like very difficult at that time to, for like women in tattooing. And I knew like Danielle was a great one. Miss Joe is another really awesome one. You know, now there's like Tron and there's so many rad people, but uh, it was different. It was different back then Mm -hmm. for sure. And I didn't know how to fully advocate for, like just saying something that I wanted. I still, I'm still not great at that. Okay. So I'm thinking about your left leg. It was never say die. Yeah. And then when it rains, it rains thick as thieves. And I have this tattoo on the side of my leg Mm -hmm. that miles Carr did. Who's also a homie from back in New York. And he did, you know, he like willingly did like a non-traditional for him because he's like this really amazing artist that does like the most unique illustration you've ever seen in your life. It's like so rare. It's so rare nowadays that you see an artist that's doing something that's completely their own. And he's doing that. Mm -hmm. And he kind of did an in-between style tattoo for me of a hand with a knife. Well, I'm remembering another tattoo. I have. Okay, a hand with a knife on it that's like cut open like a blood pact mm-hmm. you know like if you and i were like totally nuts and super serious yeah and we each had blades yeah. and we like cut open our yeah. hands and shook <laughs> yeah, hands yeah. and like our blood would mix together yeah. that's what that tattoo is <laughs> and that's just about making a certain promise to mm-hmm. myself and um yeah there's a dagger going through my leg you know where it like kind of looks like that's another john thing where it looks it's like the traditional like, yes Dagger yeah. going through. Okay. Love that thing. And where is it on your leg? It's on the side. It's on the right side of my leg. So okay. it's almost like if you had a dagger in your boot. Yeah. And you're putting it back in your boot, but instead you like stabbed yourself through the yeah. leg. Yeah. So that's what like, is. <laughs> no, that's just something just... I would fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> I would both have a dagger that's... in my boot and also <laughs> stab myself in the leg when putting it back. <laughs> and keep rolling with it, you know? Like that's just. I'm glad my stories make you laugh. (laughs) Are there any tattoos that you wish you could go back and get redone, like in a different way or any? Yeah, I don't know. Like people are so intentional and curated about it now. And I know, I mean, I used to work with this person that 
he was really young when we started working together and he was just like getting tattoo after tattoo after tattoo. It was like, he was just trying to fill his body. Yeah. And I was like, dang, like every little thing I have has like a long story as you're learning. Right. Yeah. And, and there's even more meaning to each one of these fucking things that we haven't talked about, you know? And I don't think I, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't do it differently. The thing that I think about these days is how ubiquitous having tattoos is. Mm -hmm. And it used to be a sign that you were fucking, you know, a part of something that you were, you were different than the norm. Right. Mm -hmm. But now the like annoying asshole kid that was like, you know, a jock asshole to you in school, you can't tell the difference. Yeah. You know, totally. Um, I mean, I, I love all my tattoos and they mean so much to me, but there is something to be said for how it's like a, it's just a fashion adornment for so many people now. And they didn't have to like go through anything to, they didn't, they didn't already feel other to then decide to dig deeper into that feeling of right. being other. Yeah. Um, they just sort of walked right into it and right. that annoys me. So sometimes, sometimes I'm like, well, if there was another world where I like had no tattoos and that'd be like, I suppose the going back to being other, but. I'm very happy with who I am and how I am. Totally. Um, I have a story. Yes. Um, I had a friend named Monica Sink who died in a horrible uh, car accident, hit and run. Um, and she used to work in the shop too. I love Monica. She was, was like really little. She's like shorter than me. She's probably like four foot ten. Um person like super skinny like cutest little face and just like such a badass and like such a small body and she was a tattooer um working at sacred and then maybe at some other shops and um i mean i didn't mean to leave with her death but it was, it's just on my mind it's, it's very sad it's sad and it's always on my mind yeah. um but uh she had never tattooed someone's lip before mm -hmm. the inside of her lip and so she did my lip um, and it was the first time she had ever done it, uh -huh. which was really like, which was really cool to me that I got to be the first thing for her yeah. to ever do. Um, and I like, I, I remember that. Yeah. And I've had that for a long time. It says hope on the inside, on the inside of my lip. And every time you go to the dentist there, every time you go to a new dentist, they're always like so excited to be like, oh, oh wow. Like that's so polite. Usually I see like much meaner messages in there. <laughs> <laughs> really yeah oh no yeah 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 like yeah. all cops are bastards or something or, or worse yeah. i don't know <laughs> they've never told me that but yeah. I've, I've had multiple dentists say that i, uh, I didn't even know to be honest i don't think i knew about your lip tattoo most people don't it's personal yeah you know what i mean it's like one of those things it's like why why would i ever talk about that why would totally. anyone know about totally. it i mean i probably I, made out with people that don't know about it i probably you know what i mean <laughs> why would you know like true it takes so much effort to like show that yes and so i don't think about it ever which is kind of funny because in a way it's on your face but it's not outward yeah it's definitely very internal very yes. inward yeah and like you said, like it would take a lot of effort. Yeah. Unless you're a dentist. Know. Yeah. Yeah. That's like it's between me and my dentist. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I don't have a cavity. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that. That's so sick. Yeah. Are do you have any plans to get any more tattoos at all? It'll happen. I think there's one more we didn't talk about, which is on the back of my other calf, oh, okay, which, yeah. which is um, a bearded lady. And I love the images of a bearded lady. I did a drawing once of a woman with a long mustache and she's jumping rope on it. Yeah. Um, and like the sideshow paintings type yeah, of thing. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing about that is like these ideas of like sideshow people, which is exactly right. That's where we know that from. It's yep. like, this is not fucking sideshow. Like I'm a woman, I have hair on my face, mm -hmm. you know? And like, I've been criticized for that, especially in my culture. Mm -hmm. um, I have friends who deal with that same thing. I have friends in the queer and trans community who it's like, why do we have to, why do we have to appease someone to, look a specific way for our gender presentation. So I got that in a really loving way to mm -hmm. be like, we don't know who that person is and I really identify with her. And yeah. yeah, I love I love that tattoo, even though I of course don't think about it that much. But now that I'm thinking about it, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> who did that one? John. John did that as well. Yeah. He really did tattoo me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any artists that you haven't worked with yet that you're kind of interested in? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think if Tron has ever tattooed me. I've known her a long time and it's really wild to think that I'm not sure 
I don't think Tron has ever tattooed me, but she has tattooed a piece of my art on another friend. Oh, really? Yeah. What was that? Um, and it was at Three Kings. Uh, my homie Kendall has a image of an hourglass that has a sun fading into a skull. Oh. Yeah. So Kendall fucking has a tattoo of that's a drawing I did. That you did. Yes. Oh, that's so rad. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And Tron did that. So Tron would be cool to get tattooed by. Um, so no plans to go back to New York anytime soon. I don't know. I'll be there in June. So you might have to put something in the books then. If I have time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, Nishat, thank you so much. It means so much to me that you just took some time out to come hang out with me and talk about your tattoos. I learned a lot about you and I have you know, a deeper appreciation for the stories and all the things that you've gone through in your life. Thank you for opening up and sharing those with me. I always end the show the same exact way with all my friends and hypothetically speaking, a lot of my friends are lovers, not fighters, but in this case, you are a professional boxer and you're going out to your fight and you get to pick your entrance song. What is your fight song? What is that song that you play as you're walking out to the ring? Um, Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. It's the song that the Philadelphia Eagles chose to come out to when they play the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, I love Meek. I think that it is, it's kind of unexpected because it's a little slow, but it, I mean, he has, that man has been through so much and he's like rep, reps our city, reps DC, reps East Coast so well. You know, being from Philly, it's hard not to be like, oh, the Rocky theme song. You want to hear those horns when you're coming out. <laughs> um, I listen, I every Sunday morning during football season, listen to that song um, to get myself super hyped. But I think, I didn't really spend too much time thinking about your uh, question, but if I had no time to answer, I would say That's the one. Sure. That's got to be the one. Yeah. Thank you so much, yeah. Nishat. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks All for right. having me. Mm, bye. Peace. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought the ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was rented. Flexing on these niggas, I'm like Papa on the spinach. Double M, yeah, that's my T Rose. Hey, the captain, I'm lieutenant. I'm the type of can of men casting, grind like I'm broke. That Lambo, my new bitch, she'll ride like my ghost. I'm riding.